it's not a message that's probably going to nurture your soul or or anything like that. It's not a message. Uh, well, it may inspire you. I don't know. But it's just not what we typically do. We typically want to feed you from God's word with something for you and for your life. That's what we want to do Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. We want, we want this to be a place that you will feel comfortable to invite people who don't, don't know about church, don't like church, don't think they would ever go to church. We want you to invite those people. We want you to be comfortable. So we don't, we don't want the pastor to get up here and make it a cringe moment for them. And for you, I invited him and he said all this stuff, especially about money, which I'm going to talk about money today. And he said all this stuff about money and giving and all they talk about is money down there. So I brought my friend and then he talked about money. So if you're a visitor today, I apologize. I apologize for this. But I promise you, most Sundays we're just going to tell you about Jesus and God and what God wants to do in your life and not about what you need to do for God. But today we're going to talk about what you are called to do for God. And we're going to talk about the fact, if you might notice today, we had less instruments and less uh, going on on the stage. You notice that? Because we, in keeping with less, I asked the worship team, give me a Sunday where you do less, where you have less going on on the stage. So they did. They gave us a quieter, do you notice that? A quieter worship set today. I appreciate that. Um, so they submit to me once a year. They're good. They're great. They're awesome young people. I love them. Um, God has a purpose. So this is a series about less. If you're a visitor here today, it's a, vis- it's a, ser- service, a s- sermon about less. It's a series about less, I meant to say, where we're talking about living less cluttered lives, less burdened lives. And the only way to have a less burdened life is to have less burdens. And the way to, only way to have less burdens is to have less stuff to take care of and less stuff to worry about. You have to own less to have, to have less stress. It's, there's no way around it. You, and for some of us, you have to do a little less in order to have less stress. Well, God has a purpose in directing us to live a less cluttered and less burdensome life. And it's not just so we can be more relaxed. Yes, it is for that, because with, those, with, with more energy uh, in the margins of our life and have more margin in our life, you can, you can be more emotionally available for the people that you love and the people that God loves. So that is part of the reason that God does it. But God also has a purpose for helping us to live less cluttered and less burdensome lives. And that's so we have more available to bless his work with, more available to build the kingdom of God with. America, you know, this past week, this weekend that we're setting in right now, Good Black Friday, or, or what do they call it? Uh, yeah, Black Friday. Black Friday, America spent twice as, uh, or, or spent half as much. I'm sorry, I, I'll get this right in a minute. America spent twice as much this weekend than she gave to support the church all year. America spent twice as much this weekend as she gave to support the church all year. So that kind of shows you where we're at. The, the idea, let, let me talk to you this morning about the idea. Like I said, this is not a typical sermon. It's the, but let me talk to you the idea behind God's call to make our resources available to his work. Now, if you're a logical person, and I think most of you are, you might ask the question, uh, why would a rich God, how many believe God is rich? I believe he's rich. The Bible talks about according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
Why would a God who owns it all, why would a God who is rich need us to support his church or his work? Well, I've said this several times, and let me explain it again. God gave man authority and autonomy over his world. It's his world. He said, I'm going to give this world to you as what we call a stewardship. I'm going to have you manage the world. Now, when he said this, men were totally submissive to him. They were totally hanging on his every word. And they were meeting with him regularly to get his wisdom about how to run the world. God was the owner. They were the managers. And they understood that relationship. But they got the big idea that they would like to be not only the manager, but the owner. They got the big idea that they didn't need God's wisdom. And this character that we called Lucifer got into their heads because he originated this idea. Lucifer, devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him. And if you ever doubt there's a God, I'll tell you, you won't be long. You'll have a few days of watching the news and experiencing life. You will, one thing you will start to have faith in that there is a devil. And that will drive you back to believing there has to be a God. Because of the things that happen that can only be explained, the things that happen in the world that we live in, that can only be explained by the fact that there is evil. Irrational evil that would cause a, a man to go into a church service three or four weekends ago and execute, I believe, what was the number final? 56 people, 53, I don't remember the exact number, people who were worshiping God and would cause terrorists to go into a, a mosque near Cairo a couple of days ago and execute and kill. I think the number last number I saw was 305. Um, you can't explain that by ideologies. You cannot explain that by some wrong ideology or bad believing or just bad humans. That has got to be a demonically led activity that caused people to do this. So this Lucifer, who's behind all this evil, he was the one who invented the idea, you can be as God. And he led a rebellion. He led a rebellion in heaven against God and one-third of the angels joined him, and his rallying cry was, we can be as God. I will lift myself, he said, above the most high God. And that's what, that's so, so he, he convinced humans to do this, and we call this the fall of Adam and Eve. And so humans fell into what we call sin. This is what we mean by sin. This is the sin nature. The sin doesn't mean bad evil all the time. Sin just means I want to live independent of God. And that's what happened. But God is a promise-keeping God. He's a covenant God. God had entered into a covenant with man, and he said, this is your world. You're going to manage it. And just because we went bad, he didn't take back his promise. He didn't, he's not, you know, the old term is probably racist now. I don't, I don't know. So you can step into, you can step into po- political incorrectness so easy these days. Uh, but we used to call it Indian giving. It's probably, there's a, there's a more politically right term for that. I don't know. <laughs> but we call it, you, you give something, you take it back. I don't even know where that term came from. It's really stupid. But now here's the genius behind God. 
God, right there in the Garden of Eden, said, you have messed up, but I thought you might do this. I thought you guys might decide you didn't need me. So I have already planned that the seed of woman, I, he, he might as well have said it. I've already planned that Jesus Christ is going to die for your sins. And he's going to rescue you from the grip of Satan. He's going to save you. He's going to give you personal salvation. And you and I, just like you partnered with him to take the world to hell in a handbasket, you're going to partner with me to deliver the world and take the world back to peace and tranquility and prosperity. We're going to work together. I'm going to be dependent on you, though. I'm going to be dependent on you because you're the managers of the earth. I'm sure a lot of you have employer employees that you've given authority, and you know the best way to destroy those employees is to step in and always be taken over. When you are owner or boss or whatever, when you step into their realm, you better not be bossing everybody around. You better come into their realm and respect them or you will destroy what you're trying to build. You know that's the way it works, right? Now, you may pull them aside and tell them, I don't want you doing it that way anymore, but don't you do that in front of their people that are reporting to them, right? You don't like that, do you, when, when bosses do that, right? When they make you look bad in front of your direct reports. God is a wise God. He knows that too. But I want you to know something. This is not, the church got focused on personal salvation. This is not just about personal salvation. The genius, there's a genius behind God's idea of corporate. Everybody say corporate. Corporate salvation. Look at Ephesians 5.25. And let me just quickly show you that this is a biblical idea. This biblical idea of God not only saving a person like you, but saving a people like the church. It says in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus died for... So, so Jesus died not just for you personally and for your personal sins. Jesus also died for an organization. He died for a group. He died for a people. He died for a, 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 for a group that would gather in geographical places like 15 Cape Road. He died for a group of people who would bring come together and together they would be a body, just like they're a body separately. Together they would be a body and together with all the gifts they have and all the abilities they have and all the passions they, they have and all the personalities that they have, together when a person meets that body, that group, they will meet the entire power and personality of Jesus Christ. That's the theology of the church. Jesus died for the church. Jesus stated to his disciples, he didn't say, I will build you. I will build you, Simon Peter. I will build you, uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I'm going to build you. You're going to be great. I, I, I'm going to, what, whatever you can, whatever you can uh, conceive, you can achieve. What, what, you, know, what, you can do whatever you want to do because I've come into your life. Each one of you can be incredibly rich 
And each one of you can be incredibly successful. Each one of you can be incredible. You can be anything you ever imagined you can be because you've got Jesus. No, he didn't say that. And I know there's that aspect. There is that personal empowerment that God, if you have a good relationship with Jesus, I believe you'll be a better performer in every area of your life. But God, Jesus didn't say, I will build Phil. He said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what he said. So let's talk about this. What is the importance of the church? Now, I know there's the big C church, which is the church universal. And many of you have experienced the church universal. You travel to different places and you meet believers and you meet Christians. You meet them in your everyday life. But I want to talk about the importance of the little C church. I want you to understand that it's God's plan that the big C church had to be organized into little C churches. See, to reject the little C church but claim membership in the big C church is like saying, I want to be generous and helpful and committed to humankind. But when I come to you and I go, would you help this family over here that needs help with their fuel bill or this person, this, this uh, uh, widow lady who needs help moving on Saturday, uh, would you help? And you go, oh, wait a minute, I, I believe in humankind. I feel committed and help. I want to be helpful to humankind, not some specific human. That's just too narrow. I would think you were crazy when you said, well, that's the way some, you know, some people, are, I love the church. Well, do you like, which church do you like? I, well, I, I hate all local churches. The, the, I like, I love, I love Christianity, but the church is dumb. That's crazy. Malachi 3.10 makes it obvious that we're designed to have a specific connection to a geographical location where we bring our lives and we live out our lives and we bring our material support. Let's look at Malachi 3, 8 through 11. This is the Message Bible. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. When you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heavens, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I, I will, God is about personal blessing. I will, I, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room to take it in. Try it. This is the only thing in the Bible, the only time in the Bible, where God said, try it. Only thing in the King James Bible says, test me. The only time, the only area of our life where God ever said, test me, is in giving financially or materially to his house. That's, that's interesting, isn't it? That's got to have some significance in, in our lives. That God intends to build a relationship with us directly related to our generosity to the house of God. And by the way, so many of you are generous here, and I don't want that to be lost today, that we appreciate it, and I appreciate it. Jay alluded to it already, appreciation for helping make downtown available. 
We appreciate every, this is not a sermon to beat you up, even though I'm going to challenge you in a moment. It's not to beat you up because we do appreciate every person who gives and comes faithfully here. We do appreciate it. But let's, let's read on. He said, if you do, says the Lord, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. See, God, when you, when you start giving God margin, God starts blessing you in the margins of your life. I will pour out a blessing. Uh, he says, try it, put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard from insects and diseases. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they arrive, says the Lord. Now, here's what this text is teaching. I'm just going to hit the highlights, and I'm going to spend a lot of time on it, because I want to move into some other areas in a moment. The local house of worship is God's storehouse. God expects us to structure our lives so that we participate in regular percentage giving. Very important, circle percentage. Percentage giving to the local church. God promises that our, thirdly, God promises that our participation in regular percentage giving will enable the church to stay on mission. Very important, percentage giving. He says, give them a tithe. A tithe, the very word tithe is a percentage. A tenth. A tenth. I, I, see, I believe God wants to do something at Bethany Community Church. So we have to take up less offerings. We have to take up less special offerings. We're, we're always having to take up special. You know what I always find out? There, there's another $20,000 in the room when I take up a special offering. But we are hurting the newcomers and visitors the more offerings that we take. We need to take less offerings, and it will, less offerings will happen when God's people become convinced that God's plan is percentage giving to God's work. When you, you decide, we'll talk more about that. In fact, I'm going to have Andy Stanley talk to you, man. I'm going to bring in the big guns. Andy Stanley talk to you in a minute. I, if I could find some Joel Osteen clips, I would have brought those. <laughs> Bishop Jakes. <laughs> One of the primary ways our personal relationship with God, number, number five here, or number four, one of the primary ways our personal relationship with God stays right is through regular percentage giving. I don't have time to uh, uh, elaborate on that, but there's a whole theology behind why when something becomes a discipline and not just an emotional response, but a discipline of our worship to God, it's so much more powerful. I mean, a quick illustration is I, I have a, a very sensitive skin, so wintertime here, it gets brutal for my skin. My, 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 my fingers crack and all this stuff. But you know what I learned? I learned if I regularly, every day, not wait till it starts to hurt, but regular day before I leave the house, put a really heavy-duty hand lotion. It doesn't happen. Because it's not what you do occasionally that, that, make, that works in your life. It's what you do daily. What you do regularly is what determines the blessing and scope of your life. So now listen to me. This is very important. You can be a nice, benevolent person and not be a committed giver to the church. It, really, really, th 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 this world is full of nice, generous humans. And uh, you, uh, many, many people are th that person. You're that person that... Uh, you're really doing a good job of preparing your funeral. It's going to go great. Because all these people are going to show up who tell us truthfully what a nice person you are and how generous and kind. You never had an unkind word for anyone. And you always helped. And you, you, you led the annual fundraiser at work. 
And when somebody needed food, you made food, you brought it over, you're really a good human. This, this message is not about good humans versus bad humans. You're really a good person. God bless you for being a good person. God bless you for being a good human that's really preparing a good funeral service. Uh, if, I, if I have the honor of preaching your funeral, I won't have any trouble getting a parade of people to come on the stage and say he was really or she was a really good woman. He was a really good man. Uh, but, you know, uh, I didn't get into this to be a nice human. I got into this to join a revolution. I got in this to join a revolution, which is the church of Jesus Christ. And causes, great causes come with great cost, always. Great causes come with great cost. I, I, ju- I, just, I just saw the news item that uh, George Soros, the uh, liberal uh, uh, philanthropist who just gave, listen to this, he gave $18 billion, $18 billion of his own money to support the liberal leftist agenda. And he just, he just hosted a gathering in Costa Mesa, Cal- uh, not Costa Mesa, but... Uh, in California, I forget the town, sorry. Uh, in a, uh, um, this exclusive resort in California, he gathered all these people who agree with him and to strategize what are the next steps to create the leftist agenda for America, which is going to, if it works, it's going to affect you, it's going to affect your children, and I'm not trying to, to scare you. Here's, that's one of the reason I brought it up, to be political. I don't care about that right now. I brought it up to, show, to, to share this from that item. Everybody who came to that meeting had to bring $20,000 that they personally donated to the cause. He didn't want people there who didn't have skin in the game because great or important causes come at a great cost. And the, the, sometimes people like that understand that better than the church. They understand it better than Christians who are go- we're going around looking for a spiritual bargain. We're looking for a bargain. We don't understand that God is inviting us to join a revolution. We don't understand. I didn't, I didn't become a pastor because I wanted to be a chaplain. I became a pastor because I wanted to be a revolutionary. And I'm looking for people right now who want to be on my team. Want to join the revolution? Revolution of love, compassion, Christ-likeness, holiness, courage, community engagement. Come on, let's do it. Now, church commitment is not interchangeable like restaurants or gas stations or shopping centers. <laughs> you know, you can change, you, you can stop going to Chili's because now you prefer Applebee's. You can stop going to Starbucks because now you prefer Dunkin'. No, nobody ever does that. People always leave Dunkin' and go to Starbucks. You can stop going to Walmart because now you prefer the orderliness of Target. Leaving the chaos of Walmart for the orderliness of Target. The church is not Target. It's not Starbucks. It's not Dunkin'. It's... It's a missional center. 
of a revolution that God wants to do in this community, in this place. You can't be bouncing around. You can't be changing churches like you change coffee shops. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says, You are familiar with some of the parts that God has formed in the church, which is his body. If your finger leaves your body, it's not good. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, helpers, organizers, those who pray in tongues. Verse 18 through 20, previously he said, As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. What we have is one body with many parts, each is its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. God has placed you at Bethany Community Church. Many of you, probably most of you in this room, God has put you here. Bethany Community Church. I'm going to tell you something that I really know. I don't just believe it. Believe is not a strong enough word. I know that Bethany Community Church it is distinctively set to have a local, regional, and even a global influence. God has uniquely positioned us in this community like no other church that I'm aware of. God has uniquely positioned us. We are uniquely positioned to impact. We have found that there are 90,000 people who live within a 10-minute drive of this location. And God has uniquely given us a vision. And God has uniquely given us a path that is, that is truly unique even in the church world. We're a church that we say regularly. We're a church that is, that is bigger on Monday than we are on Sunday. Our community engagement is very, very unique. I've had people come here from Willow Creek. I've had people who travel all over the country who go to other churches and they call me up and say, Phil, we haven't seen a church like Bethany. And, and, and here's what they say regularly. And I hear this over and over again. We've, we've had a parade of pastors come and look at the, the, the Blessing Barn and the Happy Place. We've had a parade come and they all say there's, there is no church of its size in America who's doing what Bethany Community Church is doing. And you can call that arrogance. You can call it whatever you want. But what if it's just knowledge of what God has said to us and spoken to us? And we have been obedient to God and we are in a unique, unique, unique position to do something that is not being done. We have, uh, I know of one other church, that the pastor and I, we've talked and we've met and they've seen our vision and they're patterning their church after this vision. And they're starting to do the very same things that we're doing, even to the point uh, that last I talked, they were on the verge of buying, a, buying an, an antique store and, and turning it into their own version of the Blessing Barn. But not only that, somehow we figured out a way to have strong community engagement without giving up strong church family ministry. We have figured out how to have that on Monday 
but still minister to you on Sunday with BCC kids. And I wish I had time to talk about that. In a few Sundays, I'm going to talk about the amazing things we're doing and changes we're going to make in our kids' ministry, exciting advancements that we're going to do to make it better to serve you and to serve your friends who are going to come to this church. Aunt Sandy's, our hospitality team, our parking lot team, our ushers, our counters, our worship team that works so hard, and, and our, our, our media team that makes like incredible videos and stuff. I am, I am blown away by what they do every week. And somehow, so somehow we figured out how to be there on Monday and have ministries like The Happy Place and, and ministries like uh, 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 the, the fill-in program. And i tell you what I'm going to do, because I think sometimes you just need a visual. And I couldn't get everybody here this morning. People are traveling. Some people are up in Children's Church. Megan Petty, I believe, is up in the happy place because we, we now produce a happy place. It doesn't cost the church any money. It probably should. And we're, that's why I'm going to talk about money this morning. But Megan Petty has created a happy place for Sunday morning so people with kids with special needs can come to church and put their kids, put their child that won't, won't uh, integrate with the regular children's ministry in a special program for them. I, I'm telling you, you are amazing. You are amazing. And so I'm going to invite members of the staff, and you know who you are. I want to join members of the pastoral staff. I want the CNE and Happy Place executive staff to come up here. I want to celebrate recovery team. If you're out there, you come up here. And I want you to quickly come on and stand behind me. Because I want you to see the people that make it happen. And this is an amazing group. So we have, by God's grace, and we give him all the glory, we have a strong inside and outside program and mission. BCC Kids, Aunt Sandy's, uh, I don't know if any members of the security team are here, but Sunday security team, Forum Church, JV Church, hospital visitation care team, parking lot to pew hospitality team, facilities management team, community group fellowship and Bible study uh, team. We, we've, uh, I know a lot of our community group leaders are traveling, so they're not here. I was going to have them all stand, so I won't do that because many are not here today. How have we been able to do it? How have we been able to do this with a church of about 400? How have we been able to do this? Well, it's not magic. It's supernatural sometimes, but it's not magic. The way we've been able to do it, I just, wanted, I just want you to, congregation, to understand something. The people that are up here today give, they go beyond, they don't go the second mile they go the 10th mile and the, the 20th mile sometimes in order to make it happen. And we have key members. I mean, some people, I know, you know, I know that, uh, I know that Sherry likes to work. Everybody knows that about Sherry, right? That Sherry likes to work. And she loves to work. But she doesn't do what she does just because she likes to work. She does what she does because she has a passion for the church of Jesus Christ. 
And she has a passion to see people's lives change. She knows what will happen when somebody starts to do the word of God. She knows what will happen to somebody's life when they start to become obedient to God and start to take the journey with Jesus Christ. So to, 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 in order to see that happen, she has founded the school, and she doesn't want me to do this. I didn't ask for permission because she would not let me do this. She's going to be mad at me for doing it. Uh, but people don't know the story, and they don't know that, that she runs the school or she supervises the school, and she supervises C&E and the both stores and spends countless hours there. I know she was there, I don't know, 40 hours this week probably, plus everything else. And in order to make the finances work for our family for all these years, she sells real estate. And so, I mean, many, many, many years, I wouldn't see, you know, it'd be like nine o'clock at night when she got home because she, after doing, after taking care of the school, she'd go out and sell a house. And whenever we would, would, would need something that we couldn't afford, uh, she'd say, oh, I'll go sell a house. And, and she would do that. And, and then, we have, um, then we have another way we've done it. We have, um, some of you don't know, the unique relationship we have with High Sales Media. High Sales Media is a company that's owned by uh, my son and uh, uh, Damon uh, Tyler and uh, help me, Jay, my mind won't work. Jared Haskell, I just my mind doesn't work fast enough. And uh, they actually rent a segment of our building from us down there downtown. They actually rent a segment, but all of them work also for the church. They give the church like eight hours a week and more. They give the church way more. Each of them, Jay gives the church like 50 hours a week. And plus he runs this company. I mean, uh, and we have Kyle here who's a videographer and he. He's going to be, when, when we raise the money to have those beautiful cameras, he's going to be filming and doing all the video so we can start doing live streaming online so your unchurched friends can, can see the service before they come. Amen? And, and where's Josh? Josh Pilling. Where's Josh Pilling? Josh, you should be up here. Josh, get up here. Josh works for, for, because he gets a salary from them, he's able for a, a stipend to work for us a few hours a week, and he just built a beautiful new website for us. That and then there's Shane Sullivan. Uh, uh, where's your beautiful wife? Oh, there you are. Shana runs the fill-in program. And uh, they were, grew up in this church and uh, went to school here. And now uh, Shane is getting all her family saved here. And uh, we just baptized Mike here. Today. Uh, anyway, we baptized her father the other night because he became a Christian because he's visiting Bethany from California. And he became a Christian. And uh, God used him in this miraculous way. We decided he wanted to go spend some time with Shana. So he, he, decided after, uh, he decided he would move here so he could be close to Shana. And Sherry had told me about this place where, where the happy place is now in Northbridge, this facility. Sherry took me over there. 
and said, which, you know, we should consider buying this. It was $550,000 or so, or I, I don't know what it was, but anyway, it was a lot of money. And I said to Sherry, no, we, we can't do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go do the mortgage for this and all that stuff. And Sherry says, I'll pray about it. And she prayed about it and Mike bought it. Her, Shane is dead, bought it. So leases it back to us. We don't get it. We don't want to steal it from him, but he leases it back to us. I mean, all this is, what I'm saying, I wish I had more time to talk about everybody that's up here and how, how amazing they are. Well, hold on a minute. I wish I had more time to talk about how amazing everybody is, but I want you to know there's a whole team of people and I can't, I don't have time to talk about everybody's sacrifice, but we got a whole bunch of people up here uh, Dan and Christy, everybody, they're sacrificing. Christy Christy's, uh, uh, does this thing with uh, uh, decorating, and she does the, like the Doug Flutie uh, uh, gala every year. And so they're all like, all these people are doing things for the church, but then they go make money on the side so they can afford, they can afford to, to, to do the church. And I, 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 I'm, I, huh? I don't make money off that. I want to That's all for you. Okay. But uh, I, I, uh, uh, but but I'll, I had a consultant in one time, and he's talking to me. And we're looking at the desk. He's talking to me. He looked at me at one point. He said, "Phil, you're the only one that doesn't have something to fall back on." <laughs> but they, my point is, they sacrifice because they love this church, and so they will go work twenty, thirty hours somewhere else. And I, I'll, I'll sometimes go in the office. Where's Jay today? Well, he's in Florida filming some baseball thing. Or he's in he's in Indiana at a uh, a convention of uh, of uh, hardware store people, people who own independent hardware store owners, stuff like that. They do it because this is their passion. You're their passion. You're what they love, and you're what they care about. And so they they serve us with we get we get these incredible videos, incredible music, incredible interior decoration, and incredible leadership because of it. Now, uh, go ahead. I just wanted to say that Shana runs a fill-in program, and 615 people were impacted in one year. 615 people through the fill-in program. That's incredible. It's incredible. I, I, there's one little story that I wanted to tell, but I, I love the story of the, 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 the man who was a, uh, was a special needs guy, grown man, in the underwear story. Tell the underwear story. That is There's gross. nothing better than underwear stories, really, yeah. right? Um, we had, we, we get phone calls all the time at c &E for emergencies. And so we got a phone call that there was um, a young man whose parents had been caring for him, but they had gotten very, very ill. And so he was going to have to be put into an assisted living facility. And so we got a phone call. Uh, we need some help. Can you guys help us? And so they brought this guy to the barn, and we met with the family, and then we started giving them the opportunity to go and get the things that they needed for him. And one thing we hardly ever get is brand-new underwear. And so we have to purchase brand-new underwear, but we hadn't coordinated enough to purchase brand-new underwear, and so... I'm opening every drawer I can find for this person to see if we maybe kept one pair of brand new underwear. And I open a drawer, 
And there is a pair of underwear that somebody, I mean, a whole package of underwear that somebody had purchased their family member, and they decided it was just a little too much for them, and it was adult superhero <laughs> underwear. And the, the social worker really be, got teary-eyed, and she said, you're not going to believe this, but this young man that we are getting this for, he, he is obsessed with superheroes. The only thing we took out of the house with him because of the condition was all of the superhero collection that he had. I thought, what a great God we have. He doesn't just care about underwear. He cares about things like superhero underwear. I, I didn't mention him. I tell you, that's a great story. I didn't mention uh, Dan... Uh, uh, manages the facilities, and we have five buildings right now. Manages the facilities. He, like, does commercial roofs on Monday. Like, goes to Boston and other places doing commercial roofs and side paint jobs. So these people, but this is their heart. They do that stuff to, to, to make a living, but this is their heart. And, and uh, 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 Brandy as well as side business. So everybody, everybody's doing this. Uh, I have a point in telling you all that. I'm going to ask these guys, you can go down. Now here's my point in telling you those things and showing you these people. My point is, and I don't like saying negative things. This really hurts me. This isn't sustainable. This way of running the church is not sustainable. We cannot go to the next level unless you go to a higher level of involvement. You say, well, ah, let's do less then. No. We can't do less. We can't do less. No, God, Jesus, we, we, can, we can have less in a lot of areas. And we should have less in a lot of areas. But we can't have less passion for a broken world that needs Jesus. Now, I want to, I this is going to feel like a, a shareholders meeting next couple minutes. But I want to show you, it's not to shame you, please. We appreciate everything you're going to see on these graphs. Is You deserve to know, though, the real picture. You deserve to know. Um, you can imagine. You think about, think, as you see these numbers, think of the fact that uh, we own three buildings and that God has so blessed us with, and there's such amazing properties. Our our, our our net worth, our real estate worth is probably six, six and a half million dollars. Isn't that awesome? That's, an, that's a miracle. Our, our mortgage, and I don't talk about these things very much because it seems kind of crass, but our mortgage is a little over two million. So God has helped us to be good stewards and make wise investments. So I'm just thrilled with it. But it's a lot to manage. 
And so these numbers, while they may seem large to you as an individual, so some of you want, those of you who work for major companies, you're going to go, how do they do it? You're going to, how do they do it on those, those, on those dollars? But for some of you who maybe you don't work in upper management or ownership, it may look like, oh boy, they're rich. Um, but, but I'll shut up and let you look at them, okay? This is percentages of total giving each unit each giving unit or each person contributes. Okay, so uh, group A represents 50, and in a minute we'll show you the number of people that it means. Group A, there's one group that gives 295,000, year to date has given $295,310. Then there's a group B, which is 33%. That first group is 50% of our total giving. Now, 50% of the folks, not 50% of congregation, but 50% of the giving. Uh, then we have another group that's given 30, uh, 33%, which is $195,000 to date, year to date, which is almost the whole year. And then the third group uh, uh, is, um, the third group is group uh, C, who's given $83,000. And that's 14%. Then there's group D, which is given a 2.8%. Now, let me, we're going to take you to the next slide. We'll show you the numbers that those represent, okay? Uh, 54 givers uh, give half the money. Did I, did I read it wrong? Hmm? Okay, I'm sorry. The group A, I'm sorry. Group, that'll be better. Group A, uh, there's 26 uh, giving units give that percentage there. And then group B is 54 giving units. That 54 is um, $195,000. And that blue, I, I, I see, yeah, I see you got it wrong. That blue slice, which is, which is big, if you go to the, the slide before, it's, it's half of the giving. So that's 26 people. Let me get this right. Thank you, Jay. 26 people give half of the money that comes to this church. And a couple of those 26 are on the staff of the church. That's where we're at. I'm excited. I know it seems negative, but I'm excited because there's a lot more available. We're in great shape. <laughs> in other words, the, the next slide is going to show, break down the numbers. 26 giving units give $295,000. In other words, those people, average giving to this church, 11000 something a year. 54 giving units give 195000 Those people average 3000 something. Group C, 80 giving units, total $83,000. Uh, a year. That, that, that per, they, those give an average of $1,000 a year. And then group D uh, is average of 255 people give the average of $221 a year. Now, I'm extra, extraordinarily excited about what's next. I'm extraordinarily excited about what we could do to impact this community and how we could provide a model for bigger on Monday churches all over New England. But if we're going to do this next thing, 
It can't be a me thing. It can't be me and Sherry. It's got to become a we thing if we are going to do it. If we're going to go to the next level, it's got to be in the words of Anley Stanley. It's got to be an all skate. We need everybody in this room to get involved at a higher level. I need you to restructure, begin restructuring your life so you're not eating all the seed. We're called to lead a movement of bigger on Monday churches across New England. We're called to that. Now, I know that some of you, God bless you, we're happy to serve you, but you got this thing figured out. Sunday, you love the show. You love the show. You got it all figured out that when we get into response time, if you will get out the door and grab your kids from Kids Church, you can beat all the rest of us to the restaurant. You've got your parking place, and you know this parking lot is packed, and we that's another thing we need to address at another time. And so you got your where you're going to park. You make sure and get here at the time because you know if you get here a little late, you won't get to park there. So you got your parking place. You got your seat saved in this room. And you make sure you find a seat that usually has an empty seat beside it where you can put your stuff. I need you. I need your buy-in and not just your consumption. I said, I need your buy-in and not just your consumption. Why? I need it. Now, I, I'm just not going to worry about time right now. For, for, this is an su unusual Sunday. I'm not going to worry too much about the clock. I need to finish what I'm saying. I need you to sit where I sit and see what I see every week. This isn't about me making my life better or building a little kingdom for me and Sherry. My life would be better with a church of 175. That would be perfect. A church of 175 can pay its pastor and wife well. A church of 175 is not too busy. A church of 175 gives the pastor and his wife plenty of margin and plenty of rest, and you get to develop a lot of great friends that you have over for, for chicken or whatever. 175 is enough for a pastor to be in good shape. He doesn't have to manage a staff, doesn't have to manage a bunch of property. Life is good. But God didn't call me to a good life. And I, I, I'm very personal about this this morning. God didn't call me into a good life. God called me to lead a revolution. You need to sit where I sat. Chrissy, who's sitting over here that we baptized Monday night, I asked her a while ago, can I say this, Chrissy? Chrissy has a story of difficulty and hardship. But through God's grace, and because she found Bethany Community Church in part, She's entering into a new level of prosperity and joy. And she told me when in the interview the other night, the other day, when we were talking about the baptism, and I asked her to tell me her story. She told me about all these, all these things that she went through, which I won't, I won't re share now. But she said, there came a point where I was with my child 
we were alone and we were homeless. And here's what she said. That's just been driving me crazy. She said, I wish I had known this church was here. And she lived in Oxbridge. She didn't even know we were here. She didn't know we were here. Part of the reason she didn't know we were here is every time the staff and these staff drives me crazy because they want to do big things and they want to do great things. And, and they're always going, we need to do, and, and Sherry too. We got to do direct mail, Phil. We got to do direct mail. And every time I look at the cost of direct mail, I say no. But the other day I just said yes. Just a few thousand dollars. We're going to let this community know we're here because of the, of the 90,000 people of the 90,000 people who live 10 minutes from here, there's a bunch of Christies out there who were saying, I, 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 wish, there, I wish there was a place. that would, She said this to me. I knew, I know y'all would have helped me. But they, I'm telling you, these people in this community do not know we're here. They don't. I've been, I've been interviewing people for years. I go, to, I go into coffee shops and restaurants, and I ask about the church, nah. Oh, do you know the Blessing Barn? Oh, yeah, I go there all the time. Everybody knows the Blessing Barn, but this is the home of the Blessing Barn. They don't know about this church. And I've heard rumors out there that no church is impacting this area. I'm hearing those rumors that there's no church impacting this area. We have the opportunity to impact this community. We have the opportunity to be the light of the gospel to all kinds of people. And I'm not interested in those people who don't want us. And I'm not interested in those people who are just unhappy at some other church. I'm not, I'm not wanting those people that are just unhappy at somebody else's church because they're going to come here and be unhappy too. I'm not looking for those people, but I want those people who are far from God. I want those people who are far from hope and far from help. And I know we've got what it takes. I know that I have a fantastic staff and I know I have, a, I have a great, I have more talent around me than my childhood pastor could have ever imagined. But yet, I look out Sunday after Sunday and I love seeing all you here and I don't mean to put you down, but I just see empty seats. Why do we have empty seats? Is it because the parking lot's packed? Well, then we need to build a better parking lot. But that's going to cost money. Or we need to redesign this auditorium. We need to redesign this auditorium and reduce its size, but have multiple services. And then we won't need a bigger parking lot, but that's going to cost money. So many stories. Oh, I wish I had time. It's 1147. I don't, it's, I said I wouldn't worry about the clock, but I am. Just take my word for it. I could tell 10 other stories like the one I just told. People, people, the one who showed up downtown at our, our new women's crisis center, our new women's crisis center. Can you imagine who, what church has that? Showed up and brought a person who needed help, met with Shane, our affiliate program, and got out to the, uh, the blessing barn and found out, they, they found out she needed help. And there's just this incredible story about Somebody who wasn't supposed to be there that day. Somebody in our staff who wasn't supposed to be there that day, but has the identical story of 
difficulty and tragedy that that woman has, who was the worker who brought the person, has the same story. And Sherry just happened to send her there that day. She never goes to the Milford store. But Sherry calls her over and they put the two people together and they're crying and they're ministering and it's happening. I'm telling you, God is in our midst. Most of the 90,000 people 10 minutes from here don't know we're here. They think we're a school or something. I went ahead and pulled the trigger, like I said, on a mailer. Our makeshift before and after church fellowship space is so inconvenient to connect with people. People love the service, but easily walk out without being shown prosper hospitality. You know what I did the other day? I went ahead and hired an architect. I just paid him with money you're going to give. And I said, give us some designs of how we can create a better fellowship space. So we're not having to set up this makeshift Aunt Sandy's. And the, the staff has to work and pick up the tables every week and put them away. For people who haven't come here, but they would check us out online. But we can't live stream because we need fifteen dollars or $20,000 to buy the proper equipment to live stream and do it right. I keep telling the media team, we don't need that. It doesn't have to be that expensive. And they say, yes, we do. And then there's the people who come, but they sit in one of the hot spots in this auditorium and the sound hurts their ears because we have a loudspeaker, loudspeakers that we bought 17 years ago that were designed for that other room. They weren't designed for this room. See, it's one thing that we want big sound, but not loud sound. We want it to be big, but not loud. There's a difference. And they don't, these speakers don't cover this room properly. So if you sit in the wrong place, it's going to be too loud for years. And if you sit in a dead spot, you'll wish you'll want us to turn it up. I haven't pulled the trigger on that yet, but I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> See, from a staffing perspective, the current expectations are not sustainable. We need, we need to make some different, some changes and additions, different things. I don't want to get into specifics about staff right now from the pulpit. So here's what we need you to do. Four things. We need you to invite more. Leslie Newbigin said the test of our real belief is our readiness to share it with all people. The test of our real belief is our willingness to share it, readiness to share it with all people. Leslie Newbigin also said if the gospel is to challenge society, it will not be by a political party or an aggressive propaganda. It will be by movements that begin with local congregations where the new creation is presented and experienced, exposing public life to the illumination of the gospel. Now I want to watch a brief, really like a minute long video clip of Andy Stanley giving this challenge to his church. If you quit inviting, if it just becomes the church people, we will slowly over time turn and become a very, very insider congregation. And no matter how big we are, we will no longer be on mission. I need you to be bold inviters. I need you to take risk in your invitation. And you know what? You need that because it'll grow your faith. It'll stretch your faith. And there are people, there are people who someday you'll have the joy of seeing them pass through the waters of baptism 
And they may mention your name, but whether they mention your name or not, you are going to be in tears at what God used you to accomplish. And we as a church, it's never been easier for you. We as a church are going to partner with you in the process. From the very beginning, we've said our whole outreach strategy is invest and invite, invest and invite, invest and invite. You invest in the lives of the people around you that you love, that you play golf with, that you play tennis with, that you work with. And then when it's appropriate, you invite them to an environment where we will take responsibility for starting the conversation in terms of their relationship with God and their belief. You see, it's not logical to say Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And this church is doing great things, but it's more important that I have a cell phone, cable TV, and daily iced coffee. Did you know if you have iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts, one cup of iced coffee per day, you will spend $950 to $1,025 on coffee. I would stop drinking coffee if I could not give to my church. You know, tithers make up only 10 to 25% of a normal congregation. Only 5% of the U.S. Christians pay tithe, with 80% of Americans only giving 2% of their income. Christians are only giving at a 2.5% per capita rate, while in the Great Depression, we gave it 3.3%. If we tithed, $25 billion, could relieve, $25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and death from preventable diseases in five years. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, especially at places in the world where 1 billion people live on less than $1 per day. $1 billion could fully fund all overseas missions work. $100 to $110, $110 billion would be left over for additional ministry expansion. If you see no way to create margin in your life to give to God's work, I will pay the hundred I will pay the $195 for you to attend our next financial peace group with Dave Ramsey. Or if you want to try this, tithe for 90 days, and if you don't think God blessed you, then I'll give you your money back. I'll, I'll do it. So number two, I'm not going to spend any time on this one. We need to volunteer more. We need to volunteer as ushers, counters, greeters, parking lot attendants, sorters, cleaners at the Blessing Barn, sorters at the Blessing Barn. In some cases, we can move faithful people into places of leadership because we don't typically start people out in leadership. That's how we maintain quality ministry. Thirdly, we need you to pray more. I want you to specifically start praying about two things. The people that you could never imagine coming to church, I want you to pray for them daily. The people that you could never imagine. Why is it we sometimes think we're the last person on earth who would want to go to church? <laughs> Second thing I want you to pray is that God, and I'm closing with this, I promise, that God will give you a good eye. Matthew 6, 21, 23, Jesus referred to an evil eye and a good eye. You know what a good eye? A good eye in, Ju in Judaism refers to goodwill, benevolence, and being genuinely happy when others prosper. The person with an evil eye feels distressed when others prosper. This today is a heart issue. I 
do not disinvite anybody in the room because of the amount of money that you give or don't give. The only people in this room that I would like to disinvite, and I would like for you, I don't want you to go to another church because you will, you will hurt that church. Stay home, and when we get the cameras, watch us online. If you have a heart that doesn't rejoice when the church prospers, I don't need you. If you don't have a happy heart when the church is blessed and when it grows and when it reaches its goals, if that excites you, then you've got the right heart, and I want you on my team. Now, we're going to close the service. We didn't do our tithe and offering earlier because we're going to do it now. We thought the best expression today of receiving the word of God would be to give. Now, as soon as we're done giving, we do have communion available for those who need to spend a little time in prayer. I realize it's very late, very much later. It's 20, 30 minutes later than usual, at least 20 minutes later than we usually end. And thank you for being a good audience. Thank you so much for listening. But I want to ask our ushers to get in place. Maybe today we'll start the tithing journey for you. And I realize Christmas holidays are coming. Maybe you want to reach rethink about this after you're done. I know you've got, I'm not, you know, that, that's between you and God. You want to start in January. But I want you to right now say, I'm going to do what God would have me to do uh, because I believe and I trust the vision that God has for this place. So I'm going to obey Him today. I'm going to follow Him in the eyes of giving. Thank you so very much.